Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. And we'd like to let them know that the next time you need a pirate insult, you should use this one. That's not the only kind of fool you are. What? It has relevance. (laughs) It does. It seems random. It's because I have a pirate primer, okay? Just go with it. Today we're discussing A Bollywood Affair by Sonali Dave. Millie has been married since she was a child in India, but she doesn't remember the groom. She spent the last 20 years learning how to be the best possible wife she can be while she waits for her husband to finally come back and claim her. Samir is a famous Bollywood director and the brother of Millie's husband. He travels to Michigan to find Millie and convince her to officially annul her marriage to his older brother. Millie is nothing like what he expected, and Samir ends up wanting more from her than her signature. Content warning. Child marriage and child abuse. There will be spoilers beyond this point. Well, Erica, how do we meet Millie, our thoroughly modern Millie? Millie is the quintessential tiny, clumsy ball of fire, I would say. Yeah. She grew up in a rural village in India. Her grandmother raised her. And when she was four years old, she was married to a boy who was 12, who was completely uninterested in the whole thing. She cried through the whole thing. While she was crying, the younger brother of the groom seemed like he was drawn to her. You know, and she was drawn to him and he was trying to give her some comfort. So while he's comforting her or trying to comfort her, uh, his grandfather yells at him and says some racist stuff to him and separates the two. Um, But they still seem drawn to each other. And this is in the prologue. Yeah. And little Millie had stopped crying when he held her hand. But then, of course, when he's removed, then she goes back to crying because she's four years old and she doesn't want to be married. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, she probably doesn't even understand what's going on at this point, I think. I think she understands enough. I think she knows that something's going on that she doesn't like. Fair enough. (laughs) That's fair enough. So shortly after um, this, quote, wedding, unquote, uh, happens... The groom's family moves away, like not the grandfather, but the mother and the two boys move away. Millie has never seen them again. And 20 years passed, so now she's 24. And this whole time, her whole life, her grandmother's basically groomed her to be the perfect wife that her husband would want. Yet she never has any contact with him. She doesn't really have any memories of him. She doesn't really know anything about him except that he's an officer, like he's a pilot. Yes. He lived in the city. So she's kind of like trying to do stuff that would make her more appealing for like a city guy who's, you know, an officer. Yeah, which that's what she convinces her grandmother that that her husband will want. Yes. Like, oh, oh, grandmother, I should be educated and refined because look at these educated and refined women in this movie the pilot hero wants 
Can I get an education, please? (laughs) (laughs) And she does. She gets to go to college. And then um, her her professor, one of her professors, uh, tells her that she should continue her education. And she... She kind of lies to her grandmother about what she's doing, but she basically sells her dowry jewels and moves to America to uh, Ypsilanti, uh, Michigan to go to grad school there. And this whole time she's rationalized it, I think, that, you know, this is going to make her more attractive to her husband who knows nothing about her. Or has has seemed to have forgotten about her because he hasn't sent her so much as a, you know, couple of words via snail mail since they got married. Yeah, that's the thing. She she basically believes she's married, has lived her whole life knowing she's married, having like this expectation for how her life is going to go. And all she's doing is waiting for her husband to show up so she can start her life. Yes, it's very much a when will my life begin sort of thing. Yes, it really is. She's up in that tower. Yeah. I mean, she goes goes so far as to take care of his grandparents, help to take care of the home. So when the grandparents pass away, she's making small repairs, you know, what she can with her meager amount of money. Because again, she she's like, this is my husband's family's home, my home, my family home. You know, I need to take care of it. Yeah, she's all in as far as she's concerned. And her grandmother really is the one to, I don't know if blame is the right word, but is the one responsible for all this, really. Yeah, the grandmother, her grandmother makes the deal with his grandfather and then they get married. Because of that. Yeah, because Millie's parents, prior to the book starting, have passed away. Her grandparent takes her in. And so now the grandmother in a position is in a position of, how do I make sure that she is taken care of and the best way that she knows how, right? So to get her married right. to the best boy that she can. Like, that's her understanding of what taking care of her means. I don't know. I have like a love-hate relationship with the grandmother because Millie really loves her grandmother. She's very loyal to her grandmother. She sends all her money from her job that she can, that she doesn't spend on rent and groceries. She sends home to her grandmother. She makes time to go into the office at her work at college to call her once a week in the morning, like before she starts working. She's super duper loyal. Family's very, very important to her. But at the same time, what were you thinking, Grandma? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, this is colored by my understanding of the world, of course. But it's just, it was hard for me to get over it. Especially later when you find out some of the stuff that Grandmother did. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I sort of see, although I can't imagine making those choices for my granddaughter... I appreciate that that's how she thought that was taking care of her granddaughter. And even later when she does the extreme things, that's her still trying to advocate for her granddaughter. Yeah, I think she's doing the best she can um, with the circumstances she has and the knowledge she has. But I still don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, four years old is a little, a little early to be wearing wedding attire, unless you're like a flower girl or ring bearer or flower boy. Yeah, they even comment on it, too, that four was especially young, even in those circumstances. Yeah. Like, I believe that's commented on in the story that was kind of young. Yeah, that's, I think, what uh, Lata says. She was like, yeah, four is even young for her. And I think she mentioned that her wedding was when she was seven. And she was even saying, like, let's not do this. But the grandfather, the grandfather was a peach. (laughs) Oh, that's putting it nicely. So we want to talk about Samir a little bit? Uh, sure. What would you like to say about Samir? So Samir is the half-brother of Millie's husband. Um, He's the boy who tried to comfort her at the beginning. And he is half Indian and half white. And when his, I guess, adopted mother, his brother's mother. Yeah, his brother's mother, but his, it's so complicated because it's... It's his mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, 100%. So his brother and he share a father. The father had gone over to America and... Had a second family. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Had an American family with a woman named Sarah. And then there's Samir. Yes. (laughs) And then he died. The husband died. Yes. At first, Samir doesn't really know why. Later we find out why. But when he's really little still, his mother, his bio mom takes him to India and gives him to Lata, who becomes his mom. And that's his half-brother's mom. So he and his half-brother are raised by the same mom. She's awesome. Yes. Like... Yeah, no, she's great. I really liked her. <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> she she was one of the best uh, romance book moms we've had, I think. Yeah. Like, she... <laughs> But anyway, Samir, um, because he's half white, has kind of like a lighter tan skin and he's got kind of like a tawny blonde hair and he's just extremely good looking and he's also extremely large. Like his feet are size 14, which is crazy. Yeah. We find out Millie's feet are size four and a half, (laughs) which is also crazy. I can we call her Cinderella? Yeah, I think she she actually teases him and says that his feet need their own atmosphere. <laughs> she also calls them boats, I think, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene later where they dance and he puts her feet on top of his. And <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was funny to me to picture it. Yeah, I'm not. I think it was intended to like spare her her feet or ankle or whatever i'm not entirely sure that it would do that it was sort of an odd imagery in my head i i don't know i mean the thing is is the man of my house wears a size 12 and my feet are bigger than millie's and they swim in a size 12 so i can't even imagine like a size 14 (laughs) (laughs) you know But anyway, Samir uh, grew up abused by his racist grandfather. His grandfather kind of blamed him for the loss of of Samir's dad. See, paternal grandfather, because otherwise I don't think he'd care. That's that's a good point. Yeah, probably. And just would get on his case about being light skinned, which is typically like from the book and from what I've heard is something that that people want 
in India. Yeah, Millie comments about how it's considered desirable. But um, in the case of the grandfather, the grandfather sees it as a mark of Samir's father leaving and having a second family and all these things and abuses him severely. Yeah, Samir doesn't like his coloring. No, no, he doesn't. He grows up thinking like he had a crappy childhood due to the treatment from his grandfather. Yeah, he doesn't think about his coloring in a good way, I don't think. No, negative associations, definitely. But he ended up starting out in modeling, and then from there he learned how to use a camera, and then from there he became a director, and now he's a famous director in Bollywood. So he's he's known. He's kind of like a playboy. He's not the type to settle down or anything like that. Okay, I would like to apologize if I pronounce any names incorrectly. I'm trying my best. Me too. Um, I'm not so good at this. So <laughs> at the beginning of the story, Samir is dating a actress who is named Neha or Neha. And she's very well known. She's up and coming. She, after they have sex, she tells him she loves him. And he's like, I like you. You're cool. Whatever. And she gets really upset. He gets out of bed and goes downstairs. And as she's like coming down the stairs to yell at him, falls down the stairs. It's a pretty bad fall. And Samir doesn't have anyone working at the house that day. And so he picks her up and basically runs her, literally runs her to the hospital. I think they said like two kilometers or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) But then after that, he meets up with his brother. He's really close to his brother, Virat. And they're talking about... Virat is married to a wonderful woman named Rima. Rima's pregnant. And it's just beautiful and lovely. And Rima leaves the room and Virat's like, So I got a weird letter from... (laughs) My child bride, I didn't realize we were actually married. Because he thought it had been annulled. That's what the grandfather had told them. But of course, the grandfather is such an exceptional human being that he actually didn't do it. Right. While they're not technically legally married, it's still like a weird, sticky situation because... It never got annulled, and there might possibly be a marriage certificate, and if the council at the local village where they got married recognizes the marriage is valid, then potentially it could be legal. Yes. Which would then mean that his marriage to Rima was not legal, and therefore the child that she is carrying would be illegitimate, which is a thing. Well, not only is it a thing, but it also strikes a real chord with Samir because he was called yes. a bastard by his grandfather all through his childhood. So, it really yes. hits home for him and it's it's a big deal. And they they discuss this and then later um some I'm not sure how much some t- how much time passes, but later um he's flying his plane, the brother is And it crashes and he goes, he's like in a coma for like several days at least and just really, really injured. 
And the first thing he says to Samir when he wakes up is like, if I die, then my child is going to be a bastard. <laughs> and so Samir takes it upon himself to say, I'm going to go find that village girl and convince her to annul the marriage. Yeah, stop the legal actions of you know. her trying to claim the house, the family home. So he kind of assigns this to himself because his brother is... is Not in a position to. And this is kind of like a secret thing too. Like Rima doesn't know. Lata, the, you know, their mother doesn't really know what's going on with this. Everyone kind of is unaware of this aside from Samir and Vera. And also they find out that Samir's ex, the woman who fell and he ran to the hospital has told the media that the reason she's injured is because Samir is abusive. Which he would never be, considering he was abused. So it's a huge scandal. So he has to get out of Dodge because scandal. And plus he needs time to write his next movie script. Yes. And he's having trouble writing it. He has like a... Writer's block. Yeah, he has a very severe writer's block at the moment. Back in Ypsilanti with Millie, she's living in a crappy apartment with her BFF, Reedy. Again, I'm sorry if I pronounce names incorrectly. I am also sorry. <laughs> I feel so self-conscious. Totally. <laughs> but Reedy is having a romantic crisis. She's also from a very traditional uh, Indian family, even though she was raised in the U.S., and her parents are trying to arrange for her to get married to someone who is of similar uh, background to them. But she's already in love with a different boy whose name is Ravi. They're planning to run away together. It's all very dramatic. And Millie, because she's so... She has this whole, whole idea of, of being married, of being a wife, of love and all these things. It's just like kind of on a pedestal, I think, yeah. for her, like in her mind. She's super duper invested in Reedy's love she life. She is. I think she's just, she thinks about her own love life and she's like, I wish somebody had advocated for my love life more because then maybe my husband wouldn't have left. It's it's a weird situation, too, because Reedy, even though she's Millie's best friend, doesn't really know the truth about Millie's marriage. Mill Millie has given her, like, the bare minimum, you know? She doesn't know that Millie has never seen her husband since they got married at, you know, the tender age of four and 12. Yeah. And <laughs> or, or she doesn't know the extent of, of Millie's situation. No. No, I don't think Millie really wants to broadcast. No, I think Millie's kind of ashamed of it. She doesn't really say she's ashamed of it, but she acts like she is because she keeps it a secret. Yeah. But at any rate, Reedy and Ravi have made this plan that they're going to run away. And Millie, like she, she knows about the plan, but she doesn't know any specifics because she's a terrible liar. When Reedy gets picked up and they drive away into the sunset or whatever, Millie is super aware, oh no, at some point, Reedy's family is going to come looking for her. They're going to find Millie because they kind of know where Reedy lives or lived. 
and they're going to question her and she just does not want to deal with any of that because even though she doesn't know any specifics, she does not want to thwart true love. She has all these thoughts about this, like the importance of, of making sure Reedy gets her happy ending. While she is thinking these thoughts, she's in her, her little crappy apartment. She gets a knock on the door and it's a man she doesn't recognize. And she thinks, oh no, it's Reedy's brother. And she jumps out of her apartment window <laughs> and gets on her bike and starts hauling ass away like <laughs> she's yeah. on the run. <sighs> and then she crashes. Like, I forget what she crashes into. A tree, maybe. I forget. Oh, she is, like, embarrassingly clumsy. Like, it was one of those things where every time she did something clumsy, I rolled my eyes. Yeah. There were, there were a few parts where I'm just like, oh, must she? It's not cute when the heroine is constantly getting injured. I'm sorry. It's just not. No. <laughs> but she crashes, and I think she faints even. And the man, who is Samir... Um, picks her up, drives her to the hospital, and kind of gets stuck watching over her because she doesn't have anyone else. He he steps up, though. Like, he doesn't just abandon. No, he doesn't abandon her. He He's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm taking care of this girl now before she signs the annulment papers. Yes, because the nurse noticed when he fills out the paperwork, like, hey, your guys' last names are the same. Are you related? Yeah. And he's like, uh, no. And then he changes his last name to the last name of his agent. And Millie, of course, doesn't catch on to this because she's so medicated or whatnot that she doesn't doesn't pick up on that. And Samir tells Millie that he is her new neighbor and he was just coming by to introduce himself. He basically ends up like taking care of her like for weeks. Yeah. Millie uh, sprained her ankle and I think dislocated her wrist. Yeah, he ends up cooking for her, dispensing her medication. He helps her get to the restroom. It's a thing. The whole time, every time he's near her, he's able to write. So like if she's sleeping, he sits down and he's just writing his heart out. Like he's over his writer's block when he's near her. And then he tries to go over to his apartment because... Of course, he rented it after he lied to Millie. Yeah. He goes over to his apartment to write, and he just can't. And so then he goes back to Millie's apartment, and now he can. She's the magical muse. She's out of work and school for two weeks due to doctor's orders. And then she goes back to school. He drives her to class, and she tells him that she's going to work at her fast food job after that, or her restaurant job after that. And he does not like this idea. And so behind her back, he goes and talks to the manager at the restaurant where she works, pays him twice the wage that Millie would make so that he will give her half of it and keep half of it for himself and lie to Millie and tell her that she gets an additional two weeks leave paid. What did you think about this? I don't know. It's so weird with deception in books because it's sort of like I... I understand the good intention. I guess I just wish that the problem would have been solved a different way. Like maybe he washed dishes to hold her job. Or just convinced the manager. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like the manager, I mean, they they tried different tactics because even Millie tried to, to say different things and the manager wasn't convinced. So I think the impression was it was like it was easier maybe for to him to fire her versus, you know, work around this injury. But I guess like I'm okay with him doing that. Like if that's the arrangement that they came to, I just sort of wish that Millie would have been told, but at the same time, I don't... Millie was the kind of character that I don't know if that would have gone over well to tell her. I don't think it would have. What what did you think about that situation? So from the very beginning, like the second he shows up at her door, I feel like he's overstepping. Like the whole time, even when he does good things, I feel like he's still overstepping. Who is he to do these things? You know, he's just some random, as far as Millie knows, he's just some random, super duper kind dude. Unrealistically. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, fellow humans, but I don't believe all of you would take care of some rando girl for, you know, two weeks and play nursemaid to her if you have absolutely no idea who she is. I'd like to think that you would. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I mean, what he's investing in initially is quite a lot. So the apartment, the car, her job, and the time. Yeah. He's just basically inserted himself into her life. And that is the part of it that feels gross to me. Like, it just feels, it feels weaselly. He's just slithering his way into all the little cracks in her (laughs) life. and. Filling them up with his semereness. And it's just... (laughs) And I... I don't know. And then there's the scene where they get into like an argument. um, Because she... She's like falling and he, he like catches her or something. And then he's holding her. And it's a little too... A little too familiar for Millie. And she kind of like tells him to stand down, you know. And he gets all pissy and leaves her. In the middle of her floor. So she's in the middle of like this empty room with no crutches, with one good leg and one good hand. But that's the thing is they had a big fight too. So I don't know. Like to me, like it's, it seemed less Prince Charming like for him to just leave and then be like, oh crap. And then have to go back versus, you know, him to what? Exert his authority and be like, here, let me put you in a safe place and then I'll storm out. Because I don't know if she would have let him. That's the thing, though. He didn't think at all. He didn't consider either the option. He was mad. Well, no, because he just reacted because he was mad. And he reacted and he left. And then later he came back and like fixed her up and everything after she passed out in the middle of the floor because she couldn't go anywhere. The problem is that they made the the heroine in that instance so helpless. And it's irritating to me because I think of her as being a pretty self-sufficient and motivated character. I mean, she got herself to America because she wanted to go there for her education in women's studies. She clearly, and she did have to deceive her grandmother to do it, which she felt bad about. So she has some internal motivation and gumption in all of this. But then it's sort of like the writer has to be like, no, I need to make her helpless. So that way the man can be in her life or the love interest. She's clumsy and she doesn't know how to use her own damn crutches. And she doesn't know how to crawl on her elbows and knees 
to the mattress to sleep because she's stuck in the middle of the floor. She can do endure years of financial hardship and all the other things that she had to endure to get to where she is, but this thing with the crutches, that's too much. Yeah, I agree. It's problematic for the heroine, too. Which maybe that's a straw moment, and we've all been there, right? You know, where it's just... <laughs> It's that one little thing where it's a minuscule thing, but it just ruins your your day or your moment or whatever. And it's a small thing, but it's just because, like, everything else is kind of, like, piling up. So I get that, but I don't really necessarily feel like that's what that moment was. She felt very passive in that moment. And I think that that's sometimes what happens with romance stories. It's not this story in particular, it's romance in general, is that the female character has to be more passive and has to have things taken away from her. And it just, it's irritating. Now, you make a good point with that scene and Millie's part in it. But at the same time, I don't think Samir even apologizes. No, he does. Does he? For leaving her in the middle of the floor? Yeah. Well, that's good, at least. Yeah, I mean, he he's very contrite when things happen. He also shows his love for her by cooking for her and things like that, which I really enjoyed. And she's allowed to enjoy food, which I also liked about her character. Although there was the whole thing, like, every time she ate anything, it was like she was on the verge of orgasm. <laughs> and it was just so hot for Samir to watch. It's just like, well, well of course. I mean, that's part of the the thing part of their dynamic yeah it was it was a it was a big thing in this story i mean a lot of times in a story you know the heroine will take a bite of chocolate or you know take a drink of something delicious and they'll moan in appreciation or something like that and the hero will be like <laughs> "Ooh, you know it's their kink but this happened a lot in this book Every time she ate, it was an experience for everyone involved. (laughs) 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 While they're becoming friends, I guess, I mean, Samir has still not divulged why he's actually there or who he actually is. And he's kind of rationalized it to himself like, well, I'm writing and once I finish my script... I'll let her know. But right now, I have to take care of her. She doesn't have anyone else. It seems ulterior motive Yeah, he's like, I need to finish my script and I need to take care of her. But once both of those tasks are complete, I will tell her who I am and have her sign the papers. Okay, Samir. She runs into Reedy's brother, who is looking for Reedy. He's kind of threatening in a way. He doesn't physically accost her or anything. He like surprises her or something and she like gets off balance and Samir sees this and he sees this as a threat and goes in. Yes, because of course she's off balance and falls on her bum. Because she's clumsy. Isn't it cute? (laughs) Samir runs over and punches the guy in the face and then they kind of kidnap him and interrogate him. I mean... (laughs) Little Bonnie and Clyde action. Not literally, but kind of literally. (laughs) Literal adjacent. Yeah, it's not quite figuratively. It's just like, eh, I don't know. Is it gray area? I feel Millie puts him on the biggest guilt trip in the world <laughs> in the ca- for the cause of true love and convinces him. And then they call Reedy's parents and convince them that they will 
convince Reedy to go home if she's allowed to get married to Ravi. The parents are pretty easy to convince. They're like, I think they were just worried at this point. They're like, okay, fine. We'll let her do it. But as long as she gets married here. Yes, they still have conditions, but... You know, they basically love their child and they want to make sure their child is okay. So they'll deal with Ravi. <laughs> yeah. So Millie talks to Reedy and convinces her and Reedy's just thrilled and she's super happy about it and invites Millie to her wedding. And Millie's like, I'll try to go. And Samir notices that Millie probably isn't going to go because... Well, it's mainly because she doesn't have transportation and she's poor. Those seem to be her main obstacles for going to the wedding. I think there's some emotional baggage there, too, about seeing someone get married for Millie. That's true. Weddings are important to her. But Samir, literally this time, kidnaps Millie and drives her to Reedy's wedding. He gets her in the car. I think he gives her one of her pain pills or something. And when she wakes up, she's like, where are we? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to your friend's wedding. No, she, yeah, she catches on really quick and he tells her. I think he gives her the pain pill after and she sleeps. But yeah, she's like, wait, where are we going? Why didn't we turn off here? We turn off here. We're going to my house. Where are we going? And so he confesses really quickly. like. But he doesn't stop the car. No, because he's like, I know you really want to go. You already packed the bag. Your toothbrush was right there. I grabbed it. No, I didn't go through your things. Saving that for later. Didn't go through your things this time. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's another thing that just really got to me. Like, he just decided, he just decided he was going to take her and didn't even ask her or tell her or anything. Just, okay, well, get in the car and we're going to just keep driving. Yes, so they go to Reedy's wedding, which... Millie is like the quote unquote belle of the ball because she made the wedding happen by reuniting the family. Everyone loves Millie. Everyone loves Samir too, except for Reedy. I think Reedy's kind of a little suspicious of Samir. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that she didn't catch on quicker that he's like Mr. Bollywood since yeah. she loves that like media and she's all about the media and stuff. Yeah, she's really into it. But then again, I mean, who thinks someone famous is going to come to their wedding? So maybe there was a little bit of disbelief or something. I don't know. It's kind of obvious to every single person there, except Millie, that Samir's totally into her. And Reedy, once she finds out Samir isn't Millie's long lost husband, is like, you need to stay away from her. Millie hasn't told Samir she's married at this point. That's her secret. Which I feel is... An important omission on her yes. part. Granted, Samir already knows, but for her not to say anything, since that's something that uh, theoretically she uses is a defining quality for her. It is weird, especially, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I've not been in the situation where I have literally no one to take care of me if I fall and, you know, injure two limbs. But it seems weird for her to not tell him. It almost feels like she's taking advantage of him on her part of it. Yeah, I can see that. I think she can kind of tell that he's kind of into her and she's in denial about it because he's so good looking and she doesn't think much of how she looks. She kind of has low self-esteem, I think, in part because her husband is absent. Like she thinks there's something wrong with her because otherwise her husband would be there. 
Yes. So she's kind of in denial about it, but she is aware that he's appreciative of how she looks. And I don't know, it's hard to believe that she's so innocent that she doesn't understand, like, you know, she's letting this strange guy, you know, sleep in her house and take her to the bathroom and feed her food and drive her places and dance with her at her best friend's wedding. And (laughs) yeah, I I don't know. This usually happens, it seems, a lot with, like, female characters, especially if they're supposed to be that ingenue, innocent. It's like, yeah, okay, I I appreciate that there are some things that will fall under that umbrella, but, you know, at a certain point, you're like, yeah, but are they lacking in critical thinking skills? Yeah, and, I mean, he's her neighbor, sure. I mean, as far as she's concerned, that's who he is. He's her neighbor. But... I don't know. It just seems like he's gone above and beyond, you know, the bounds of neighborliness. And even even friendship in most cases, especially that soon in to a friendship. Are you saying that if I busted two of my limbs, you would not be at my beck and call cooking me food? I am not saying that. (laughs) But then I've invested a lot of time in you. Hello? <laughs> gotta keep gotta keep you healthy. <laughs> but that's the thing, I mean. That's true. We've known each other a lot longer than those characters have. But also, there's the attraction element, too. Like, are you thinking, like, there's no way that she can't appreciate that he's into her. And therefore, maybe she should say, like, Hey, dude, I'm married. The text has no evidence for this, mind you, but it feels like she's she's using him. Not, you know, maliciously, but, you know, he's her ride and he's her nursemaid and he's her chef. And <laughs> Do you think that she's depending on it or do you think that she's just expecting it because it's been happening so frequently? I don't think she, she I think she's a little like worried about it to an extent because like, you know, a couple times she'll tell him, like, she'll very gently tell him, you know, you're overstepping. But he'll he'll just say, oh, no, no, it's fine. And she'll be like, oh, okay, I guess it's fine then. That's so common in romance novels, it seems. It's like, oh, well, once the hero says it's fine, then it is. It, it may even be unintentional, but it really does. It feels like, as far as she's concerned, because she doesn't know his lie. True. He's a remarkably nice neighbor turned friend (laughs) yeah i think (laughs) like unbelievably nice i think most women (laughs) would be thinking like wow you're you're really going above and beyond why (laughs) yeah not that the why is a bad thing of course because if she's totally into him then it's fine then it's like why oh you like me i like you Ooh, isn't this wonderful Again, critical thinking. And there's a safety (laughs) element to it as well. Like, she doesn't really seem to have any regard for her personal safety. You know, letting some person she doesn't know at all that close to her that quickly. Yeah, I would think especially a young woman on her own would be a little more cautious or should be. You know, because she's traveled through the world. So she kind of should know the kind of 
dangers she should be aware of. There's some points in the story where I just feel like she's unbelievably naive. But as the ingenue, she's supposed to be. I suppose. It's the tricky thing with those ingenues. There's an important scene at Reedy's house where a like a gossip magazine shows up and it has Samir in it. And it's about his uh, relationship with his ex and how he supposedly abused her. Reedy's family is kind of as a truthful thing. And they're like accusing him. And Millie goes to bat for him. Aggressively. Like she doesn't really read the magazine. Like she knows Samir's on it. She's kind of surprised that he's that well known or whatever. But she asserts, you know, there's no way he could possibly hit a woman. She (laughs) attacks. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's one of Reedy's cousins, but she physically attacks her. Yeah, she goes she goes to bat for him in a very physical way. Just, no, no, I know who this is. Don't be spreading lies. Yeah. You know, tigress mode. <laughs> it was a little like, oh my gosh, I was stunned. Yeah, it seemed odd at this point because up until this point, I didn't realize she had it in her. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but Samir loves this like he is super into this like he is just super gratified that this woman cares about him and believes in him this much and that goes with his own like like sense of self and insecurities and things like that he gets the impression oh if i had known her way back when she would have come to bat for me against my grandfather. You know, it's he's still that that little boy because, of course, during the course of the story, he's still having these nightmares of his grandfather's mistreatment. Right. He's still affected by his abuse that he suffered as a child. Exactly. So he sees in that moment in, in Millie's attacking <laughs> his quote-unquote adversary, his abusers... That, you know, here here is a woman who will protect me. At the wedding, they do the dance where she's on his feet. They get lost in each other. Then they're hanging out and they share a kiss. And it starts to get really good. And then Millie kind of like goes, oh, no, no, no. We cannot be doing this at all. And that is the point where she tells Samir that she's married. This pisses Samir off because... (laughs) He's got a personal stake in this. <laughs> He's like, no, you're not married. <laughs> but she insists that she is and they're only friends and all this stuff. And they kind of go back to being friends-ish. So after the wedding, they go back home. Well, back to Millie's home. Um, because he basically lives with her even though he doesn't. Um, she, I think, goes to work and he takes advantage of the time that she's gone to snoop and he goes through her apartment and there's basically nothing in her apartment like she's got like six t-shirts and two pairs of jeans or something like that she doesn't have much money and her apartment reflects that but then he finds an old brown suitcase like an old-fashioned suitcase kind of pushed up against the wall kind of hidden out of the way and he's like hmm And he feels guilty opening it, but he still opens it. Yep. And finds her, like, her traditional, like, Indian clothes, like, saris and things like that. He finds 
a fo- like photos. I think um, I think it's her her wedding attire. Yeah, he finds her wedding attire. He finds her beads, like her marriage beads, and he finds the marriage certificate. And he steals the marriage certificate. I thought he put it back. Oh, I guess he didn't. No. Naughty. He does not put it back. Naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> he takes it. I think maybe I was caught up because he was looking at her like the picture of her parents who passed away and her and her grandmother who looked like quite the matriarch. I think I was distracted by that. <gasps> Little thief. And then he puts everything back the way it was. When she comes back home, she's kind of acting a little guilty. She says, you have to go somewhere with me. She tells him that she found his bio mom. And she somehow convinces him to drive to Monroe and meet his bio mom because his bio mom has cancer. So he's mad and worried and he has a lot of feelings. Well, it makes sense. I mean, a lot happened to him at a young age. And he doesn't sound like he's really processed it so much. So it makes sense that he would have a lot of feelings about it. I I don't know. There's an interesting juxtaposition, like, between the scene where he's snooping through her stuff and then the scene where she tells him she found his bio mom. Because he gets upset and he says to her, you know what you are? The nosiest fucking busybody I've ever met. (laughs) Pot, meat, kettle. Yeah. And then later he says to her, you don't understand anything. Who gave you the right to interfere in my life? How did you think this was okay? Yes. Shoe, other foot. What? (laughs) What the heck, man? (laughs) Yeah. Hypocrite. Thy name is Samir. Yeah, he is pretty hypocritical. And Millie... She's not especially likable in this scene either. She's just very much like, no, this is what's good for you. And I know what's good for you and you're going to do it. Yeah, they both do that to each other. I know what's best for you. So suck it up, buttercup. But I mean, they both do it. So at least it's not one person always imposing their sensibilities. Although it seems mostly like it's Samir. But yeah. Two wrongs don't make a right, Em. They do in my head. (laughs) Two wrongs don't, but three lefts do. Yes. Maybe that's where I get confused. <laughs> uh, but they drive. She, she convinces him. And he drives them to, to Monroe to meet Sarah, who's his bio mom, and Kim, who's his aunt. Yes. The Willis sisters. Yes. And Sarah, she's, she's willing to accept whatever Samir will give her. Like, she's just happy that he's there at all. She tells them why she gave him up. And basically, after Samir's father died, she just became extremely depressed and was unable to care for him. Felt like this was going to be the best thing for him. Yeah, they talk about Sarah's history with depression, how she used to be a cutter. It just sort of seemed like Sarah was in a place to take care of a small child, let alone herself. And because she and her sister had gone through the foster care system, they didn't want that for Samir. So they collectively decided the best place for him to be would be with his family in India. And 
Samir took to Lata, his mom who raised him, like super well. He's He is super close to her, continues to be, and sees her as his real mom. And he calls... He calls Sarah his bio mom. He calls her Sarah. He doesn't call her mom or anything like that. And he's very standoffish with her at first. Um, But they do visit some. And then um, they ask or Sarah asks if they'll stay the night and visit one more day. And they agree. And then that night, Millie is staying in the nursery because Samir can't stand to be in there. He's sleeping on the couch. But he's overcome with all these memories and everything. And so he starts walking across the property. And it says, soon he was faced with the thicket of trees. One step and he'd be inside the unending darkness, be inside the well again. This time he wouldn't be afraid. So he's seeing like a similarity between like the darkness in the trees, the darkness in his head, the darkness of his, of the well that his grandfather threw him into. Yeah, that his older brother Varat saved him in. And while he's basically contemplating walking into the forest, uh, Millie shows up and she says, please don't go in there, Samir. It's too dark. I don't want to go in there. And he says, then don't. And she says, I can't let you go in there alone. It's It's happening. But it has, there's like this dreamlike quality, you know, it's night, they're in the middle of nowhere, on someone's property, they don't really know it very well, and he's all freaked out from all his memories and all his emotional stuff is all up in the forefront of his brain, and she's there, you know, she's comforting him, and they start kissing, she tells him it's going to be okay, they start making out, starts getting kind of hot and heavy, And then there's a point where he's like, okay, well, we need to stop if we're going to (laughs) stop. Okay, this is this is the point where, you know, I'm well, this is as far as I'm willing to go unless we're going to continue all the way, you know, which good for him. Yes, some some restraint. Yes, but no, she's like, no, I, I don't want you to hold anything back. And so then they end up having sex up against a tree. It's her first time. It's amazing. At the end of it, he's kind of thinking about what just happened. He's like, oh my god, I just fucked Millie against a tree. She is a virgin. This is a horrible thing. I should never have done this to her, especially in this way. You know, he's just kind of like, wow, this isn't probably every girl's dream, (laughs) I think. (laughs) And he says to her, this is terrible. This should never have happened. And she takes it the wrong way. And she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I sucked so bad. I've never done this before. And she leaves. He's kind of left alone with his thoughts. And he pulls up his pants. And this is the point where he kind of admits to himself that he's in love with her. And the thought he has in his head is, if this is what being in love did to a man, he was essentially screwed. (laughs) Uh, When he gets back up to the house, he sees Millie. She's, She's like, I really need to know how bad it was like how horrible was I you know (laughs) he's very sweet he's like ever since I saw you I dreamt of making love to you you surpassed my expectations I forgot myself and forgot to take care of you and that's why it was terrible and she's like oh so it gets better than this (laughs) and he says for you I should hope so for me I would die (laughs) which 
It's kind of sweet, too. I mean, it's a line, but it's kind of a nice line. Yeah. And at that point, he carries her up the stairs to his childhood nursery, and they make love all night long. Or as I say in prior episodes, they have the sex. (laughs) That morning, he's ready to tell her everything. He's ready to come clean, tell her who he is, tell her how he feels, tell her all the stuffs. But before he gets the chance... Uh, They're chatting in the kitchen with Sarah, and Sarah kind of lets slip who Samir really is. I wouldn't say she lets it slip because she doesn't know it's a secret. Yeah, she doesn't know. (laughs) She's just minding her own Sarah business and says, oh, by the way, yeah, that small town in the country, that's also where Samir is from. To which Millie goes, what? (laughs) And then she has one of those moments where, you know, she gets the flashback from the magazine and she realizes, oh, it had that last name in it. That's my last name. Oh, my goodness. You know, just all these things start coming back. She's putting all of the things together and it she does not like what it adds up to. No, it is a terrible picture. Yes. And she says to him, why did you come here, Samir? Did you come after me? Did Virat send you? For 20 years, I waited for your brother to come get me. I fooled myself with hope. If he didn't want me, why didn't he just tell me? Why send you? Why? Was it a joke? Let's see how much we can pound the poor, stupid village girl until she folds. (laughs) Oops. It was sad. And Samir says, well, you started a court case. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to make all of my deceptions your fault. She's like, I don't know anything about this. She says, like, why didn't you just ask me? Why did you seduce me? Like, what is this? And then she realizes she's stuck in the middle of nowhere. And she's like, how am I going to get home? And Samir says he'll take her home. And she's like, okay, fine. But you're not allowed to talk to me at all. Unfortunately, this is the point in the story where Millie has all of the regrets. Yes, she does. The ride back to, to Ipsy is fraught and no one talks and Samir is basically waiting for them to get there because the second they get there he starts talking to her and he's like no we need to talk about all this (laughs) and he's like we need to talk about us and she's like what what about us (laughs) and this particular quote There are so many thoughts I have about this quote. I'll read it and then I want to know what you think. Oh, no. Okay, I will do my best to pay attention then. (laughs) She says, no, I don't know anything, Samir. After this, I will never know anything for sure again. I will never trust anyone again. You've taken my trust, my honor, my self-respect. You've sullied me. You made me feel filthy. I'll never feel clean again. I was pure. I felt pure. I know that means nothing in your world, but I was untainted. Now I'm a sinner, a slut. You robbed me of who I was. I think this says so much about Millie's background. Yeah. (laughs) I guess culturally to, to an extent, although India is not the only place that has cultures that have this sort of thing. No, unfortunately, the, the notion of slut is far reaching. Yes. And purity. And what that means. I was with her for the first part. Like, I will never know anything for sure again. Yeah, I don't blame you. Like, I would struggle to trust anyone too. The part where she says, you've taken my trust, my honor, my self-respect. I mean, to an extent, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 
I think that was kind of the point where I was kind of wondering more about what happened to Millie beforehand because yeah. it's like it's like she hasn't known this guy Samir for very long and so how much can you possibly invest in them to where it's like your complete world view is rocked because they've disappointed you granted he has done so in a spectacular fashion and deceived her from minute 1 about yeah his his entire purpose for being there and who he is and i mean the scale of it is quite massive but like really has no one ever been two-faced with her up until that point <laughs> has everyone always been honest cuz i mean we do come to find out that the grandfather you know basically extorted her yes please give me your dowry and let me squander it and yeah. oh yes yes you're you're still our granddaughter-in-law so please take care of us. Maybe this is the first time it's ever been brought to her attention before. But you think maybe because she's spent so much time being the good girl, being essentially Penelope, right? Like the, the, the dutiful wife waiting for Odysseus, only in her case it's Verrat, to come on over. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, their marriage situation is a little different. And he only had, what, how many miles to go? And it took him, what, like seven years? <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. That's <laughs> that's another thing. <sighs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Am I making sense or is the wine making me make sense? I don't know. You, you are making sense. Yay! And I think that's a good point. And I think there's also the, the idea that she, at some point, she decided that she was going to have sex with Samir. Which, up until this point, she'd been faithful to her husband, her non-existent husband. Yeah. And she decided that she wanted to be with Samir. I think that was the whole reason that she had sex with him, because she was making a choice. After this, she tells Samir, okay, well, I want you out of my life. I will sign whatever papers you need me to sign let me go get that marriage certificate for you and she pulls out her suitcase and she opens it up and she can't find it and she's kind of confused <laughs> naughty boy yeah and then he holds it out to her and she's just like oh well i guess you can just keep that <laughs> but it's like a final nail in the coffin for samir because he went through her private things like she trusted him he had a key to her house yeah and she did get upset earlier when she thought that oh he went through her stuff to get her toothbrush yeah which it does kind of i don't know how upset i would necessarily be if somebody i don't know all that well went and grabbed my toothbrush because you know it's a toothbrush and it is sitting right on the counter <laughs> But I would feel differently if they went through my drawers and things, which he didn't. I mean, she had already packed the bag ahead of time. So, because she did want to go. She packed the bag and then was like, oh, but wait, I can't go. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, she got really irate over a toothbrush. So, of course, she's going to be very upset that he went through her actual personal belongings. Personal yes. private belongings. So, he leaves and they separate. I, I, I think months go by. And neither of them are doing very well. Um, Samir is working on his movie that he finished writing when he was with Millie. He's just kind of trying to lose himself in his work. He gets a call from his brother who kind of is guilt tripping him into coming home for Diwali, which is like a holiday, which is a holiday, not like a holiday. 
And the brother says, well, do you want to know what happened with the annulment papers? Everything is over. The property case is closed. The legal case is over. The annulment papers got signed. She sent back the certificate, the marriage beads, all the saris that our family had given like her. 20, 20 years worth or 20 saris, one of the two. Yeah. It just kind of makes Samir feel like a turd. Even more of a shithead. Yeah. Which, I mean, he kind of is. He did quite a lot of lying. Quite a lot of sneaky. Yeah, but he has kind of rekindled his relationship with Sarah, his bio mom, a little bit. He spent some time with her before he went back to India. Invites her to come move to India so he can help take care of her. I don't know. That was kind of sweet. Yeah, I do think it's it's interesting that, you know, where she is trying to reunite his family, like, oh, here's your long lost mother or bio mom or whatever. And meanwhile, she, it sounds like from the story that really all she has is her grandma. And, yeah. and that, that idea of having a husband, like that's her family, right? This idea of husband and grandma. Meanwhile, he's taking that away. Like he is... <laughs> taking family away from her while she is giving family to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, she has Reedy's family. That's they true. They all love her. That is true. Oh, um, Samir's mom, like, shows up at his house, and she's just like, hi, I'm here now. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she says, what kind of question is that for a son to ask his mother? It's my son's house. I'll come and go as I please. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> She's like, your housekeeper let me in, and the cook tried to bully me into letting him cook, but I set him straight, and he's going to do the cutting and chopping and cleaning, and I'll do the actual cooking. <laughs> she cooked him, like, a dinner of all his favorite things, because she's worried about him. He's kind of become a loner, whereas before, he was really super close to both his mom and his brother. He tells her he invited Sarah to come stay in India, and his mom is, like, all on board with it. She's like, yeah, this is great. Hopefully she can come before Diwali. Yeah, I love his mom. So Samir decides he's going to go ahead and get his lawyers to figure out how he can get Sarah to India. And then he also decides he's going to gift his um, family home, like the traditional family home that belonged to his grandfather, to Millie. Yeah, since her dowry helped save it, plus she was doing repairs and things on it. Yeah, I mean... He feels like it's the least he can do for her because everything she owned, like, went to his family. Basically, yeah, except for the jewels that she spent to go to America to further her education. Yeah. And so she gets a call from the lawyer, finds out that she's been gifted this this home. And she's just like, oh, no, 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 no. But this is the point where she kind of, I think, realizes or, or admits to herself that she's in love with Samir because she thinks if it had been a marriage, then its loss should have hurt at least a little. And it wasn't the loss of her marriage that hurt. So I think, you know, she's she had like this idea of love before she met Samir. And after she met Samir, she didn't really recognize what she was feeling as love. And I think at this point she realizes that you know, that's what it is. Because if she had really loved her, quote, husband. I mean, how could she? He was this <laughs> vague idea of someone that she met when she was four. I, I mean, 
But anyway, she she cannot accept this gift. She does not want to accept this gift. And so I think it's right around Diwali because all of Samir's family's at his house. He's got his brother and his sister-in-law who's still pregnant, his mom, his bio mom, just like everybody's there. And Millie shows up and the whole family doesn't know who she is, but they do kind of assume this is why Samir has been such a pouty boy. <laughs> Millie says, oh, I need to talk to Samir. But before they could really get a chance to talk, she faints. He catches her because of course he does. Of course he does. And carries her up to his bed and tucks her in and, you know, is taking care of her and everything. You know, he's like worried about her. Like, why did you faint? And he kind of asks her, like, are you pregnant? And his whole family hears him ask her this and then just kind of assumes that she is. Like, everyone assumes that she is. Even I was kind of wondering, like, well, is she? Because it just kind of goes... I was going to be so mad if she was. Like, really? I was indifferent. I was just curious. <laughs> but the whole family is just like, oh, yay. You know, even though Samir got this girl pregnant out of wedlock, we're happy because we love our, we love Samir and we love babies yeah. and you're now part of our family. I think I, I love the response, uh, like, especially what the mother said. Yeah. So everyone hears that she's pregnant and everyone's like all running in and Samir's like trying to chase everyone out and Rima, the pregnant sister-in-law, is getting carried down the stairs by Virat. Rima's just like, don't carry me, your mother's watching. And then the mom says, I just found out my son got a girl pregnant before marriage. I think I can handle watching the other one carry his wife down some stairs. <laughs> I love how sassy she is. I love her so much. But then Millie says she's not pregnant, but then she sees like Samir looks kind of disappointed. <laughs> well, they can work on that later. Then she says, why did you sign over your home to me? You can't do that. He's just like, no, it's yours. It belongs to you. And she's like, no, you were right. I was never actually married. She kind of like pushes him away. Like he's, he wants to be with her. I think he's just waiting for her to give him a sign. And she's just like, no, I'm here to give you back your house. Damn it. Yeah, and the, the family's a little out of touch with their situation, too, because they're like, oh, Millie from America. But they don't really put two and two together that she's the girl from the village. Yeah. Oh, and then then um, Samir says something like, like, they're talking about this, like, loudly and the brother is like, you gave her the house? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then he says, well, she's done more for it than any of us have done. And then they realize, oh, he must have married her. Yeah. Oh, because, well, she's pregnant. That's why. Like, they start putting two and two together and coming up with five. Like, they don't. Oh, my goodness. It's just whatever. They don't know everything, so they're not adding correctly. They're so sweetly clueless. They are. Okay. Rima goes into early labor and they all go to the hospital, including Millie. And then Rima has the baby and everyone is, oh, yay, baby, and taking turns holding the baby. So Samir is just watching Millie, like, interact with his family. And he's just, I cannot let this woman go. Like, she, I have to figure it out. How do I get her to, to take me back? How do I get her to forgive me for my horrible lies? There's even a point where, you know, he's thinking he'll do whatever it takes. 
he wants to he wants to tell her he loves her, but he just doesn't. But he can. At some point, Samir goes and holds the baby, and while he's out of the way, Virat comes in and is like. I'm sorry I never told you this stuff before, but let me explain it to you now. And you should forgive my brother because it's my fault he lied to you for a month. What do you think about that? It really bothered me. I was just so like, I was just like, really? Like, you're just gonna walk in here and mansplain the situation to me, really? You've been absent this whole book. You've been absent from Millie's life for 24 years. What the fuck, dude? And the falling on the sword, right? Like, it's my fault he lied. It's like, no, no. Samir made that choice. He elected to not tell the truth. It's your fault. Well, it's not even, but it's partially your fault that Samir went out there to give the annulment papers. Yes. But everything else Samir did is on Samir's head. Yes. <laughs> it is his fault. So when Virat is like, I'm sorry I wasn't the one who found you and set things straight the way I should have, but Millie, please don't punish my brother for my mistakes. I just want to smack him. <laughs> yeah, that didn't feel very satisfactory to me. Oh, and... Okay, I didn't read the little action part before that quote it is so diminishing he patted her head and pulled out another tissue this time he used it to wipe the tears on her cheeks then he lifted her chin with his finger and looked her straight in the eye i'm sorry i wasn't the one who found you blah 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 there there little child (laughs) forgive my brother (laughs) yeah it's a little condescending yeah a little (laughs) so then after this Samir and Millie have a talk. He says, what you did for me, for my family, I don't know how I would have got through this without you. I don't know how I could ever thank you. And she says, actually, I know exactly how you could thank me. And he says, no. And she says, but you don't even know what I was going to ask for. And he's like, I'm not taking the house back. And then he says, what I did, I could never tell you how sorry I am. I understand you can't forgive me. I can't forgive myself, but let me make it right, please. And she's just standing there waiting. Like, okay, you just want forgiveness? Well, all right, I forgive you. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) They get in the elevator and she gives him a chance. I don't know why she, uh, I don't know. She says, isn't there any other way you can think of to make this right? And he pushes the stop button on the elevator. And he's like, do you have any ideas? (sighs) She's like talking to him and she's just being really kind to him. She says, don't ever thank me for caring for your family. They don't feel like just your family. And you don't feel like my brother-in-law. And then he says, if there's something you're trying to say, say it, please. You can't even give her. Like, (laughs) she has to say it first. (laughs) And she's like, I can't. And he says, Okay, if I don't feel like a brother-in-law, what is it I feel like? I don't know. Samir lifted her chin with his finger. Let me give you a few choices. (laughs) The best friend you ever had. Someone whose family would kill him if he ever let you go. Someone who loves you so much he doesn't know what to do with it. The answer to all your prayers. The person you've waited for all your... And then she's like, do I have to pick only one? And then they kiss... And she tells him she loves him. She chooses him. 
and they start making out in the elevator and then there's a knocking on the outside and they're like hey is the elevator broken (laughs) and then we get an epilogue that kind of mirrors the prologue because it's at a wedding and it kind of goes from person to person the way it was written in the prologue so it's kind of a nice little bookend but it's a happy wedding this time because Millie and Samir are getting married and she's you know an adult which is nice and she's consenting Yay! Yes, she's a consenting adult. The end. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That is the sound of joy right there. For the audiobook version, I loved Pura Iyar's interpretation of the characters, and I really felt like she embodied all of them. Which was amazing, because there was quite a number. And they were all so different, so that's pretty good if she could do everyone. Yeah, I I was really impressed with, with her range and her ability, so I really, really liked her. I'll have to go see what else she narrates. Hopefully she does more than just that. Can you think of anything like from the writing style or descriptions or anything like that that you'd want to discuss i mean i kind of touched a bit on the tropes that was really the main thing with the writing style for me it was very tropey and it felt a lot like they were interjected at times like just a bit much i really like how sonali brought out like the moments with her characters and i liked her word choices when it came to description because it was very very sensory I agree. Visceral, you know, it was it wasn't just like oh something looked pretty. It was also like how it would how something smelled or how you know it felt in the skin or or anything like that. I really liked that. And there was a lot of color, too. Yes, everything was vivacious. Yeah, it felt like a very colorful, bright world. And even in Millie's apartment, where. Everything was like barf brown. Like you really got a feeling that that's what it was. Yeah, that's usually told through Samir's voice, right? Like, oh, everything looked like a puke color because of course he doesn't like it. So (laughs) hopefully it's not quite actually that bad. And her building smells bad too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it just sounds like the worst (laughs) place ever. Like I feel so bad for her. Of course, this is all through Samir's voice. Like, we don't really see it from her perspective all that often. I know. I wish we did more. He's, like, used to very rich things, so. Yeah, plus he also just doesn't want to be there, right? Yeah. (laughs) Are you happy for their happy? As a couple, I'm happy for them. But if we're talking specifically for Millie, (laughs) not so much. I sort of wish she had her freedom. No kidding. Because they actually bring that point up in not so subtly, like through the story where it's, they make that sound of music reference. Like, how do you solve a problem like Maria? How did they solve that problem? They got her married. And that's sort of the same thing here. And so I, I wish Millie had been given her true freedom where she wasn't promised to anyone and she could you know, spread her wings and become the Millie that she wanted to be or wants to be, you know. And if that is married to Samir, then yay. I guess that's what that break was supposed to signify. Like, she had the option to not be his wife, but chose to. I don't know. 
What about you? It's very telling that at the very end of the book, before the epilogue, she says, you're everything, Samir. You're everything I ever wanted, and I choose you. You are my love, my freedom, and I choose you. And then he replies, screw freedom. I'm not ever letting you go. Uh. <laughs> oh, God, that was a cackle. That was a cackle. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> I choose the ball and chain. <laughs> But oh, no. I agree with you. I I feel like, I don't know how obvious it was. I kind of think it was obvious, but I do not like Samir. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan. I did get that impression. Aw, <laughs> poor Samir. I didn't dislike Millie, but I didn't really like her either. She was just so tropey. She was pretty tropey. I really struggled to like her. And I typically I don't have a problem with the heroine, even if they're just like obviously a stand in for the reader or whatever. Normally I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'm into it. But eh, she was like clumsy to the point of like she was going to like actually accidentally kill herself. Like it was surprising she was still alive. Yeah, I'm I'm always a little leery of a heroine that can't make it downstairs successfully. And I don't know, I guess I guess they earned it. They earned the happy. Yeah, I feel like it was earned. So in that sense I'm happy for their happy, but really I just feel like Millie could do a lot better. <laughs> and she probably should. I guess I'm also kind of curious. I mean, Millie went there to to study women's studies, right? So I'm I'm curious how that would have related to her perception of what she wanted. Yeah, there's some points in the story where she talks about how free women in America are and how fearless they are. Yeah. All these things. I mean, she is fearless in her own way. And you see that sort of demonstrated with her best friend, Riddhi. Yeah. How would you rate them? Um... How do you rate Samir? I kind of rated them similarly, which is awkward awesome. Okay. I did appreciate, it was sort of frustrating on one level because there were multiple times where Samir was clearly upset at Millie. Yeah. And he was saying like, oh, I wanted to shake her, but he didn't. Because, I mean, how many times have we read a romance, it doesn't even have to be a romance story, but where the usually male character, male love interest shakes her like oh no that's better than him hitting her is it oh he just shook her i'm not really sure i'm on board with that i i understand what you're saying however there are levels i mean plus i i got the sense that samir really did want to take care of her he has a very caretaking personality like he was a very nurturing soul even even at that young age at the quote-unquote wedding in the beginning. Oh, at 10. Yeah, he was 10 and she was 4. Yeah, where he saw someone upset and wanted to make it better. You know, he had that, that cooking side, that nurturing side. So that was the more awesome part. But then there were awkward things like the bossing around and not taking her, her wants into consideration. Although she did the same thing. Yeah, she did. So it's sort of, they're sort of on even footing Maybe I was looking too much into Millie and that I'm assuming she had to overcome so much to get as far as she did. Yeah, she probably did. We didn't get a whole lot of that. But yeah, she had to be pretty ballsy to sell her dowry jewels to fly to America and lie to the only person who takes care of her. 
Yeah, which that that showed a tremendous amount of of guts and strength and endure a probably not a great job washing dishes. Yeah. So that she could further her education and, you know, those are, to me, awesome characteristics. Definitely. But then there were some... Some of the tropiness made it a little clumsy with the with the clumsiness and, and things like that that didn't quite hold up for me. What about you? How did you rate them? So for Samir, he's awful. I hate Samir. Aww. Um, I didn't want to hate Samir. I wanted to like Samir. I tried to like Samir, but every time I started to think, okay, well, maybe he's not that bad. He'd go do something like an asshole, you know, like find her black lace (laughs) underwear or steal her marriage certificate or that was quite naughty kidnap her and drive her to her friend's wedding you know and it's just ew and i really dislike the lie i know in a lot of books the thing that keeps the couple apart is some sort of lie either like an actual lie or a lie by omission this particular lie just feels so big to me i don't know how she forgave it (laughs) right too big to overcome okay yeah i would not be able to forgive that lie (laughs) i don't care i i I, yeah i don't think i would either (laughs) i don't know it almost felt like when she showed back up to give him back his house or to convince him to take his house back it was almost like well it's obvious we're both miserable right now so we should just be together the logic isn't great there um, so I did not like Samir. Um, so I rated him awful. Millie, I rated meh. Okay. I wanted to like Millie. There were times when I did like Millie, but I think it was just the clumsiness did me in. Like it just really turned me off in this book. Like it was a bit over the top. Yeah, she's definitely, if I remember correctly, I think she's way more clumsy until she heals. Although there is that bit on the stairs. I think the author backs off a bit with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I don't really get the impression that she's not clumsy anymore. It's more like, well, we're just not hearing about it anymore. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> the damage has been... Fair enough. The damage has been done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of difficult. If something about a character has been repeated so much in the beginning of the book, then you kind of almost perceive that it's... It continues in some fashion, even if it's not mentioned specifically. There were lots of things she did that that I liked, and there are things she did that I admired. Um, I think she's very strong in a lot of ways. I think her backstory is very sad in a lot of ways. She's a very forgiving person. I mean, she forgives Samir. She also forgives her grandma, who's the one who, you know, sent the legal notices. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's not even, like, a thing for her. Like, she doesn't even think about holding a grudge to her grandma or expecting her grandma to apologize or anything like that. She's just like, I'll just make her stop. It's fine. Like, I'll handle it. (laughs) She's right. I mean, she does handle it and it does stop. Yeah. But, yeah, it is very much the the good girl. She's a people pleaser. Yeah, but that's part of being a good girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Making sure everybody likes you and everybody around you is happy because their happiness reflects on you. And she's a good friend. She's a really good friend. She she really appreciates and respects her cultural background. I mean, in a way that, that I appreciated. I think that she had potential to be awesome. All right. What do you think about the antagonist slash villain? So I have a list. Oh. <laughs> 
Do tell. Yes. I'm riveted. I feel like there are multiple antagonists in this story. One of the primary antagonists, which isn't like a person or anything, is just like the cultural norms or expectations in some cases, like especially like the child marriage thing, um, the familial obligations. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they maybe aren't so good, you know? Yeah. Pluses and minus without anything. I listed her grandma as an antagonist because, I mean, we touched on this earlier, and I mean, I I can appreciate that the grandma was doing the best that she could in the circumstances that were there and her knowledge and culture and all those things. And I can't possibly understand where she was coming from. But at the same time, really, at four, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would also point out that maybe as a grandmother depending on what she feels like her life expectancy is at that point but at four yeah but how old's the grandma she's still alive millie's 24 now that's true but you know what i mean at the time she didn't know she was gonna live 24 or 20 more years i i guess i don't know and she didn't know about the grandfather being an asshole like, I wonder how obvious it was to, you know, people outside of Samir's family how much of an asshole this grandfather was. Yeah, that would have been interesting to know. Yeah, because, I mean, if I were going to marry off my four-year-old daughter to someone's family <laughs> in hopes that they'll take care of her and typically they go and live in the husband's home with the husband's family and all this, like, that's what they do, I'd want to make sure the husband's family was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be a priority for me. I could, yeah, definitely. You want to make sure that your granddaughter, your only granddaughter, would be well provided for. Not just monetary stuff, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> not mistreated. So there's that. I listed the grandfather. He was pretty obvious. Obviously evil. Yeah, with the lashings and stuff. Yeah, anyone who whips a child and throws them down a well kind of deserves to, <laughs> deserves, deserves the same and worse. Yes, they, they deserve the title of evil. And I also listed Samir. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate Samir. Oh, <laughs> poor Samir. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a thing. Like maybe there's someone in my life that reminds, like Samir reminds me of them. Maybe it's me. No, I'm pretty sure you know who it is. <laughs> and it's not you. But. <laughs> yeah, I think I do know. But I don't want to think about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want to go down that dark path. But the thing is, is that there, there's just some things about Samir that throw up, like, red flags for me. No, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> what about you? What were your thoughts on antagonists? Yeah, I think my list is pretty similar to yours. I don't really think I have any deviations. Um, You know, the, the grandmother definitely... The grandfather, most definitely. Yes. And it's not uncommon in romances to have the couples be antagonistic to one another. That's true. I don't necessarily feel quite the same way about Samir. I think I'm a little more forgiving of him. Well, at least someone likes him. I would put him, or or if you see it from Samir's perspective, that Millie was his antagonist. <sighs> I'm not necessarily saying she would have been a very successful one. Here's the thing. She guilted him into going to see his bio mom, but there was no possible way she could force him to do anything he didn't want to do. 
He, however, literally kidnapped her. So you don't think that there's any way that she could have, like, put her foot down or said no, and he would have turned around? She told him to stop, and he didn't. Yeah, that's true. What's she going to do? Throw herself out of a moving car? But then she's the clumsy girl, right? Yeah. So if she takes it to that extreme, then there's something wrong with her. No, I see your point. There's no way that what she did was as bad as the things he did. No. And I know this isn't like, you know, the... I don't think so. The antagonist Olympics or whatever, but... (laughs) No, there's no gold medal for being the most antagonistic. But the thing is, is hers, I was really willing to let slide a lot more because they weren't very threatening. She was not a threat to him. No, she wasn't. But he was to her. Yeah, that's, that is another thing that is common in romance, though, is that he's the threat. True. What does that say about? (laughs) I don't want to go there. Okay. (laughs) We like romance books, right, Em? Yes. (laughs) I read these things to escape, man. (laughs) I read these things. To make you happy. I know. <laughs> so, in the spirit of that, did you feel romanced? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh. See, I always feel worse when you don't feel romanced. Because when I don't feel romanced, it's sort of like, eh. <laughs> Par for the course. Oh, we didn't rate the book. We didn't rate the book, Em. Didn't we? Oh, crap. Okay, well, how would you rate the book? I gave it a two. Oh, wow. Okay. I struggled with this rating. Initially, I tapped three, and then I thought about it, and I thought about how I felt about it, and it really felt more meh than eh. And so... (laughs) (laughs) Put whatever word or sound you want on it. It is okay. So I rated it a two and I feel really bad because when I first started reading this book, I was really enjoying it. I really liked Millie. I liked the interactions with her and her friend. And then we get to Samir and I was just like, oh, I didn't like you. And then we went back to Millie and I'm like, oh, she's cool, whatever, you know. And then we went back to Samir and I was like, oh, yeah, I still don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, my feelings are unchanged. (laughs) Oh, you have not improved. (laughs) What about you? What did you rate the book? I rated it a four. Wow, that's high. Pretty entertained, actually. I know. Oh. Which that's, that is how I rate. Like it's. Yeah, the level of enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's an entertainment enjoyment, but I mean, I don't necessarily have to like the characters or, or anything like that because I find so often that I don't. So, well, do you think that the fact that there were so many characters and they were so very, um, they're so very different and real in their own ways? You know, there's a nice variety of characters. And I know you really like stories that are strong on character. Do you think that impacted your rating? Yeah, I think if it had been a story that had focused way more on Samir and and Millie, that that rating probably would have been different. Yeah. But, it, you know, it wasn't. And I think part of the enjoyment was, was everyone else in their world. Yeah. 
you know, good or bad. However, like the mom, right? The mom, the grandpa to a certain degree, you know what I mean? That external threat and that motivator for why Samir was the way he was and made the choices that he did. I think in some ways, for better or for worse, he was a little bit more developed than she was, but that seems to be quite common in romance stories. I think so. A lot of times the heroine can be more of a self-insert. I don't think that was necessarily the case in this book, but I get what you're saying. I usually don't self-insert with romance novels, it seems, or at least the characters that are intended to be a self-insert character, I don't conform to. That might be part of it. You non-conformist, you. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, that might be part of it. So she may be a self-insert for some for someone else. That's very possible. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy you rated it a four. That is such a good rating for you. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. Did you feel romanced? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I so often don't. I'm not surprised. There were at times like a vague sense of romance but it did not sustain and I think part of that was also the end Uh, the end can be so powerful for a romance story they're both on the same page you know it's it's not just the declaration of love it's that plus you know the reunification and and all of that and to have the brother just be like I made him do it (laughs) where I'm just like wait what Here now, little girl. Listen to reason. Yeah. I'm just like, hell no. But that's where I'm clearly not in the character's frame of mind. I'm clearly in my frame of mind. And my frame of mind is calling bullshit. What about you? Did you feel romanced? No. (laughs) No, I didn't. Shocker. (laughs) I feel like you asked me this earlier. (laughs) Did I? (laughs) Yeah. I can't be trusted. But no, no, I did not feel romanced. It was not, it it was not for me, sadly. Aw. Well, were you romanticed off then? No. It was just like a level of meh, I think. (laughs) I feel bad. I'm sorry, Sonali. If it's how you feel, then it's how you feel. What about you? Did anything make you feel romanticed off? There's the clumsy girl trope, which is just, ugh. And then the bossy guy gets his way trope, which is also, (laughs) I know that's your favorite. (laughs) I feel like they're just so common that I feel like how much can I really fight this? Don't fight the bossy guy. You know, I'm not necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid, but it's just sort of like, I, I don't know how much I have it in me to constantly be like, dude, just go with it. Em. no. (laughs) consent i am a rock i am an island i will not go with the flow (laughs) okay garfunkel (laughs) you could be simon that's okay simon was the talent uh yeah i'm the simon to your garfunkel So what else are you reading? Well, this is a book that I read a while ago, but I really, really loved it. Uh, So maybe some other people will love it too. I don't know. It's called The Anatomist 
A True Story of Grey's Anatomy by Bill Hayes. And it's a book about the creators of Grey's Anatomy, the book used by physicians the world over. So this wonderful book is about the journey of Henry Grey, the author, and illustrator H.V. Carter as they create Grey's Anatomy. That's really cool. It's an amazing book. I learned so much. It was great. It's great if you love history and you have at least a passing interest in human anatomy. And as a romance reader, you might. (laughs) Maybe. In certain parts. (laughs) So what about you and your reading? (laughs) Uh, I recently finished... um, It was a really good science fiction romance book. It's called uh, Beyond the Next Star by Melody Johnson. And it's kind of heavy on the sci-fi, although there is, you know, it is definitely a romance. Apparently in sci-fi romance, there is occasionally a trope where humans are pets to aliens. Okay. (laughs) This is something I came across not that long ago. (laughs) I guess it's a thing. At any rate, in this book, uh, Delaney was abducted by aliens as a pet. The domestication expert who is working on studying her and training her and, quote, domesticating her or whatever, realizes that she's a person, not an animal. It has thoughts and feelings. And he petitions to get uh, humans reclassified as as people versus you know possible pets and he gets killed he gets murdered rude and she gets brought to like an alien pet store (laughs) and this alien uh, named Torek, he has ptsd and his therapist has told him he needs to get a animal companion as part of his treatment and he's a military man and he wants to get to be able to go back into active duty and so he's doing everything his therapist wants and so he picks out delaney as his animal companion yeah i know it's not as gross as it sounds (laughs) i am not judging (laughs) because at first he kind of treats her like a dog like he you know he trains her with treats and he grooms her hair and it's just a thing okay but at some point something happens and he realizes oh wait you can speak my language (laughs) awkward the guy who was domesticating her taught her how to speak the alien language and so he realizes she's a person and things progress from there okay it's i know i know what you're thinking (laughs) (laughs) what am i thinking i know what i'm thinking how about you tell me you're thinking it was amazing and you want to read it no (laughs) (laughs) no it was actually so good like it was so good yay well that's good i'm glad it was from a story perspective it was good like it had intrigue it had drama it had (laughs) sci-fi it had scary ice monsters it was just the coolest story (laughs) And in the middle of it, you have a human pet. <laughs> but not in a BDSM way. <laughs> like in a literal way. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had an enjoyable story experience. That's the goal, That's right? That's the important thing, right? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Join us next time when we discuss Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. Bye. Bye. Every time the hero is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs>